This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Monday, the fifth day of April, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this daily dose of observation, insight, and absurdity. Good to have you along. Hopefully you're doing well today. I hope you had a great Easter weekend. I hope that all is well with you and yours and that uh, you're looking forward to a big week this week. Sorry, I'm trying to get things moved around here. I just found something that I just absolutely have to have. It's got to happen. I must have it in my in my little collective here. What is it? Okay, so I've got to put that over here. I know this is this is really unprofessional, but the thing is, I I just it just hit me. This was a perfect thing that I need for uh, for uh, that I need. <laughs> Sorry, it's the perfect thing that I need for what I want to work on in a little while, and it, I got to put it someplace. So there it is. It's stored where I need it now. Good. Um, <laughs> the weekend around our place was uh, rather uneventful. Uh, we had a great little family get together yesterday. Don't tell the cops and we, uh, the COVID cops, and uh, we had a good time, some great food and uh, family time was had by all. And um, we re- remembered to put the focus on the day where the focus was supposed to be. And uh, that is as it should be. And I hope that you and yours were able to do the same. Um Weird things in the news over the weekend. Um, I, this is one of the reasons I encourage people to just to get away and to stop and to to unplug for the weekend. Because if you don't, then eventually it just drives you batty. The the crazy stuff that happens. And here's here is here is one of the things that popped up over the weekend. This this popped up on Saturday. Yeah, on the third, it popped up on Saturday, coming from the blaze. And it's about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And I have to bring this off the top because I like to do the really absurd things, whether they make you angry or they make you laugh. Absurdity is absurdity. And you really have to learn to appreciate the absurdities in life and learn, learn that they are absurd and that you should treat them as such. Well, that's just absurd. Don't be offended by it. Just realize, oh, well, that's just absurd. And if you want to get offended, be offended by something, that's your thing. I mean, it's up to you because offense is something you decide whether you're going to participate in or not. And people easily offended are not very mature. That's the only thing I can say about that. At any rate, it hit me that this particular individual needs a, needs a theme song. And I thought, wait a minute. Do I remember the words to this song correctly? Do I remember the words and do and does it fit? And when I went to find it online, doggone it, it was right on the money. I, 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 I am the Frito Bandido. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Oh, she will. I, 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 Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if it ain't true, 
I don't know what is. <laughs> AOC. She is the socialist Frito Bandito. It turns out, though, that uh, she's essentially useless. The, the people of her district have reelected her. They, they put her back in office. I don't know why. Maybe it's because she does what so many on the national level do when they get into office. They command a lot of screen time. And they get attention by being outrageous. And that's what she does. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York, has been named one of the least effective members of Congress. This is according to a study from a nonpartisan group called the Center for Effective Lawmaking. According to the New York Post, Ocasio-Cortez, the youngest member of Congress, was among the least effective members of the last Congress. Quote, Ocasio-Cortez introduced a total of 21 bills that the center defined as substantive. But that's where the story ends. Her legislation received no action in committees, no floor votes. None ever became law, according to the center, which takes its data from Congress.gov. Alan Wiseman, a Vanderbilt study, a Vanderbilt University political scientist and co-director of the Center for Effective Lawmaking, told the New York Post, quote, she introduced a lot of bills, but she was not successful at having them receive any sort of action in committee or beyond committee. And if they can't get through committee, they can't pass the House. It's clear that she was trying to get her legislative agenda moving and engage with the lawmaking process, but she wasn't as successful as some other members were, even, a, even among other freshmen, at getting people to pay attention to her legislation. Ocasio-Cortez, according to the group, ranked 230th out of 240 Democrats. And among New York's 19 Democratic lawmakers, she ranked dead last. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. The uh, Center for Effective Lawmaking pointed to a Democratic House insider who said that Ocasio-Cortez's politics and demeanor rankled some of her fellow lawmakers. Quote, tweeting is easy. Governing is hard. You need to have friends. You need to understand the committee process. You need to be willing to make sacrifices. Her first day in Congress? She decided to protest outside of Nancy Pelosi's office. Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> a second insider who reportedly worked with the congressman in uh, the New York delegation said that Ocasio-Cortez has never been focused on legislation. Quote, it was media and narrative. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the youngest member of Congress from New York, has been completely ineffective in her, in her job, in the job she was elected for. She has gone to Congress. She's being paid a healthy salary, a lot of money. She's living nicely, and she's making a lot of noise, but she's not making any friends, and she's not making any headway for anything she says is important. Because she is really, when you get down to it, nothing more than a rabble rouser. She is nothing more than a Washington, D.C., inside the Capitol building version of those people who get on the, out on the streets and make a lot of noise and block traffic. That's really all she is. 
She isn't making a substantive difference for her people. She's not doing anything which is really going to help her. And she is, God love her, a bozo. (laughs) She just is. And please make no mistake, Ocasio-Cortez is getting attention. She's drawing attention to herself. She, She is a darling of the news departments. She is a she is a favorite of uh, the news media because she is a a loudmouth, a noisemaker, and she is all over social media. And she's she's attracting attention, but it's not a good kind of attention. And she's making an impact, but it's not a good kind of impact for anyone. She hasn't furthered her cause. She hasn't represented the interests of her people. She hasn't improved the life quality of the people of her district. She hasn't helped them in any substantive way. She keeps writing legislation, or her office keeps putting forth legislation, that goes nowhere. Because she's not focused on actually making a real difference. She's focused on pitching a fit which is what these people are doing in traffic in, in these various cities. For example, uh, if you go around Portland or, or one of these places where Antifa is making a, a big mess, then you see them out in the streets making a lot of noise. You see them and people from BLM blocking traffic on interstates, but they're not really making any substantive difference. They're just attracting attention. This is what? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is doing. She's really not making a difference for anyone. She is a waste of time, a waste of a vote, a waste of our tax money, and a waste of congressional resources. When you really get honest about the situation, she is a waste of everything that is really important to us. And she represents an ideology and an interest which is decidedly un-American. So, yeah, she is essentially the Frito Bandito when you think about it. Because she's threatening. She, does, she says, don't deprive her of these things. I mean, listen to the words and you'll understand. She, this is... She, <laughs> as most Democrat politicians are, are dishonest. They're just, dis- they're, uh, they're criminals. They're crooks. They're stealing from the American people. I, 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 I am the Frito Bandito. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them. I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. So she's, she's got, she loves what she wants, what she's after. She'll get it from you, which is what? your money to apply to her bizarre, insane ideas. She's going to get it from you. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. Give me what I want and I'll be your friend. If not, the Frito Bandito, you must not offend. You must not offend. She's going to pitch a fit 
if she doesn't get what she wants. The problem is she's not getting what she wants because what she wants is a fantasy. <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Bless her heart. She is a useless waste of space in Washington, D.C. She's not doing anything for her people. She's not doing anything for her country. She's just making a lot of noise. And that is what uh, community organizers do. Oh, did I mention community organizers? Yes, community organizers do that. Remember the most famous community organizer? Yes, one Barack Hussein Obama. And I don't know if, you, if you've been around long enough to remember when he ran for office and they talked about him being a community organizer in glowing, warm and fuzzy terms. Like, oh, that's a wonderful thing. He's a community organizer. He's out there. Uh, he's doing this. Uh, he's a, uh, what does a community organizer do? A community organizer, in essence, a community organizer is a rabble rouser, a troublemaker, someone who makes life difficult for people in power because they're pushing socialist agendas. They want things done in a socialist way. And they keep arguing that it's for the community. It's for the people. But it's all socialism. And that is exactly what Barack Obama was all about, was the socialist agenda. That's what he was all about. And that is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is all about. She's just managed to get a lot of screen time, a lot of lens time. Because she's young. She's kind of attractive. The camera does like her from certain angles. And she's provocative. But as far as substance goes, she's an empty suit. There's nothing there. She's not accomplishing anything. She's not moving anything forward, and the people of her district should seriously consider finding someone else to represent them in Washington, D.C., because she's all show and no go. You're listening to The Daily Perspective Podcast. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Hi there. Thanks a lot for joining in the fun. I hope you're having a good day. It is a Monday after all, and sometimes Mondays can be a challenge. I get that. Especially if you've had some sort of a holiday weekend or you've been able to get away and then you turn around and eek. <laughs> we, I gotta go back to real life again. <laughs> well, here we are. Deal with it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, that's good. Um, 
<laughs> oh, man. One of the things I did over the weekend was to get a post office box. And you can do all of that online now, and I suspected you probably could. So uh, I went to uh, uh, the post office boxes, uh, the, the postal services website, went through the process, um, and got that all squared away. So now there's a post office box with my name on it. And I, it's not that I need one personally, it's a business thing. And, um, so I, and I've had them before. I just, uh, uh, I just, uh, needed one for a different, I keep talking about this project I'm working on and needed one for that. And so, um, I, I got that done and I got the, I've got, let's see, I got to, uh, let's see this. I printed out the paperwork this morning. I got to go by and finalize that, get a key and get an actual number. Then I can start putting the post office box on all of the official things, which is a good thing. And what else happened? Not much else. Honestly, it was one of those weekends. I spent, I spent some time doing some work around the studio. Um, I've been trying to get the, the, uh, the sound deadening panels in place. And I've had these for a while and I got one of them hung up and sat back and you know, you know what this, this is like, right? You, in your mind, you're thinking, this is great. I'm going to get this done. This is how this is going to work. It's going to, it's going to be great. This is going to be great. And then you, you get, you get into it and you get the first stage of it done and you step back and look at it and go, what was I thinking? This is, this stinks. <laughs> so that's where I am right now. I've actually got a different game plan. Um, it's going to mean going and buying some lumber and, and building. I'm just going to have to build my own, my own, uh, isolation panels and things. I've already got a, I've, I've got a lot of the stuff already. I just don't like the way it looks. So I'm going to, I'm going to rearrange and dress it up a bit so that it, it doesn't look quite so, um, um, cheap. I guess that's the best way to put it. It actually looks better. If I take pictures of it, it just won't look. What were you thinking? And that's, that's what I'm getting at here. Anyway, that's happening a little later today. So when I go out and, and to the post office and get that, get that, you'll pick up the key. And when I uh, uh, finalize the paperwork there and, uh, you know, do that. And then when uh, I, when I do that, I'll get out and, and, uh, uh, and, pick up the the materials to finish this project and then I will spend several days working on it a little here and a little there because it's not something that has to happen all at once it can you know I can spread that out anyway <laughs> that's among other things and I have more things to do today so <sighs> I've got some editing to do I've got eh, it's gonna be a busy day anyway back to Monday back to the real world doggone it <laughs> Well, maybe you saw the hubbub, the uproar, the insanity that happened over the weekend um, with regard to uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock. Remember, Reverend, and I use those that word in quotes, Reverend Warnock was elected in Georgia. He won one of the elections that were highly suspicious in the state of Georgia during the last election in, in uh, last year in 2020 he uh, they had the runoffs they had the uh, they had the the vote recounts they had all of this stuff and everybody with a brain who was watching the process go on was was you know shrugging their shoulders extending their arms like excuse me but 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 and uh, and so he's one of the people who i believe is fraudulently serving in office representing 
the state of Georgia because Stacey Abrams and the rest of her criminals, uh, her criminal uh, group, worked hard to put them into office. And so the, the, uh, the issue with him is that over the weekend, he, he posted something on Easter Sunday, which got a lot of negative feedback. And then he deleted it because it got a lot of negative feedback. And then more started coming out about him and about what he had to post. Now, here's what he posted. The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Now, if you are a Christian person, you immediately recognize that this is false. This is heretical. This is a lie. He is an ordained minister. Minister Senator Raphael Warnock, Democrat from Georgia, an ordained minister who, who actually pastored Martin Luther King Jr.'s church in Atlanta, Georgia, claimed on Easter Sunday that the holiday transcends the res resurrection of Jesus Christ and that both Christians and non-Christians can save themselves by doing good. He, this is the same guy who once described Jesus as a poor Palestinian prophet. Palestinian. Warnock's tweet was met with a backlash from some Twitter users who accused the minister of heresy and preaching a false gospel. Some, I saw, I, in fact, I put, the, I put everything down for a while yesterday because it was all you could see on Twitter. Absolutely Insane. Radio host Daryl B. Harrison, who works at John MacArthur's Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, tweeted, This is what the heresy of liberation theology does. Reduces the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to self-salvific moralism, and thereby making ourselves God. Jenna Ellis, attorney, who's representing, Gra representing Grace Community Church in its legal battles with Los Angeles County, said, We cannot save ourselves. The absolute truth and only meaning of Easter that matters is the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we must accept Him as Lord and Savior. Read Romans, Reverend Warnock. You are a false teacher. Republican strategist Caleb Hull simply tweeted, You're a heretic. The college Republicans at the Georgia State at Georgia State University tweeted Ephesians twenty eight uh, to, uh, two that is eight through ten in response to Warnock. It says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." Warnock received his theological instruction at Union Theological Seminary, which became the nation's first independent seminary when it broke off from its founding denomination in 1893. When the Presbyterian Church tried to oust one of its professors for claiming the Bible is not the Word of God, the school cut its ties. As the Washington Examiner reported, 
German pastor and anti-Nazi dissident Dietrich Bonhoeffer was among the school's more famous alumni who left after escaping the Third Reich to teach there briefly in 1939. Appalled by the liberalism of its students, Bonhoeffer wrote that they are, quote, completely clueless with respect to what dogmatics is really about. They are not familiar with even the most basic questions. They become intoxicated with liberal and humanistic phrases, are amused at the fundamentalists, and yet basically are not even up to their level. Bonhoeffer remembered that students openly laughed at a lecture on sin and forgiveness and accused the seminary of having forgotten what Christian theology in its very essence stands for. Disillusioned, he decided to return to Germany to resist the Nazi regime, where he was executed at the Flossenburg concentration camp in 1945 for his role in the July 20th plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. The university made headlines in 2019 when pictures went viral that showed their students kneeling before plants in the school chapel to confess their climate sins. So this is, this is the university that blessed us with Raphael Warnock. So we should not be surprised when he utters absolute heresy on an Easter Sunday. Now, he has deleted the tweet. He did delete it. And Jenna Ellis said, well, Warnock deleted his heretical tweet. He should delete Reverend in front of his name, too. One of the sad things about our society today is that we have people among us who wear the title of Reverend and they lead congregations of people and deceive them and teach them things which are not biblical, which have no foundation in truth, but have foundation in emotional manipulation. And Reverend Raphael Warnock is one of those people. He, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, the Reverend Al Sharpton, are all cut from the same heretical, deceptive cloth. Welcome back. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Kind of a short break there. Well, if you're a podcast subscriber, you, you didn't even get the break, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was talking about Warnock and looked over, looked down and realized that I didn't have the, the break computer turned up and realized we were already into the break and I was still talking. <laughs> yeah, well, don't try this at home. I'm a professional, and even I screw it up. Okay, several Republican senators have joined calls to end Major League Baseball's antitrust examination, exemption, 
exemption, that is, after the MLB pulled their, the 2021 All-Star game out of Atlanta, Georgia, saying that it was because of the recent voter integrity bill that's been lambasted by other major corporations and Democrat officials. MLB announced the decision to move the game on April 2nd, saying it would, it would do that to protest against the voting law that it claimed would restrict the ability of people to vote. Republicans, in criticizing the MLB and other major corporations, have accused them of bowing to Democratic-led and celebrity-led pressure. Democrats, without providing evidence, have said the new laws will make it harder for African-American voters to cast their ballots. The measure, which was passed last month and signed into law by Georgia's governor, implements identification requirements for mail-in ballots and places restrictions on the number of drop boxes across the state. Senator Mike Lee, the Republican of Utah, wrote on Twitter, Why does the MLB still have antitrust immunity? It's time for the federal government to stop granting special privileges to specific favored corporations, especially those that punish their political opponents. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas added, Exactly right, and Senator Mike Lee and I will be working hard to end MLB's antitrust immunity, accusing the organization of becoming woke. That's a pejorative term used by conservatives to describe left-wing activism that focuses on identity politics while using censorship and pressure campaigns to silence opposing viewpoints. Later on April 2nd, Ted Cruz posted a link to MLB's corporate sponsors, which Cruz said pressured the league to pull the all-star game out of Atlanta. Do all of them oppose voter ID? Are all of them willing to be the woke enforcers of the corrupt Democratic Party? And do all hate the 75 million who voted for Trump? Marco Rubio of Florida wrote, Why are we still listening to these woke corporate uh, hypocrites on taxes, regulation, and antitrust? Meanwhile, Chinese state media reported on April 1st that MLB will continue to be aired on the streaming platform operated by Chinese tech giant Tencent, which has significant ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Tencent is one of the Chinese companies that had temporarily dropped NBA games as a form of censorship after former Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey spoke out in support of the pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred defended that move to pull the game out, saying Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. He added, saying it's the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport. But Governor Brian Kemp, Republican, said that Democrats and corporations have, been, have deliberately mischaracterized the law. In a statement last week, Kemp said, Here's the truth. The measure expands access to voting, secures ballot drop boxes around the clock in every county, expands weekend voting, protects no-excuse absentee voting. It levels the playing field on voter ID requirements as well as streamlining election procedures. Kemp said that Democrats, meanwhile, have spread misinformation about a provision that would not allow groups to give voters waiting in line water. No doubt you have seen P. 
people fussing about this. Oh, how could it be wrong to give people water or waiting in line? You just want them to stand out there and roast? Is that your? Are you just so cruel and human? You just inhuman. That's what you are. Well, Kemp says it's just political organizations and anyone anyone else who's un, who aren't allowed to harass or electioneer voters who are waiting in line to vote within that 150 foot buffer. You know, at the polling place, you cannot you can't. Uh, electioneer, you can't campaign, you can't post political uh, posters or signs within a certain distance, and there it's 150 feet. So, and that's why you don't see people handing out flyers within a certain distance of a polling place. Now, they, they can beyond that distance, but they can't within a certain distance. The same holds true for these people who were passing out water to voters. Because as they pass out waters, they're saying, hey, remember, vote for so-and-so. Or there may be a label on the bottle, which is from their campaign. Or they may be wearing something like a button or anything that indicates they are supporters of a specific candidate. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, which prevents the polling place itself, the poll workers, these people who represent the county or the state who are there working to run the election, there's nothing preventing them whatsoever from passing out water if it's a hot day. They've been in line for a while. Things are moving slow. Hey, anybody need some water? They can do that. There's nothing preventing that from happening. What it prevents is people using that as a means of campaigning for a specific candidate. They don't want you to know this. They don't want you to understand this. They don't want you to be, they don't want you to see what's really going on here. When it comes to securing the ballot drop boxes, they're just making sure that they are protected. If you vote and drop your ballot in a in a drop box and that drop box is not protected, if it hasn't been, if it's not under some sort of guard or behind locked doors somewhere at certain hours, there is a chance that what is in that box could be tampered with, could be stolen. Somebody could come and dump a lot of stuff into it that is fraudulent. It needs to be secured. It doesn't matter who you're voting for. You should want that level of security. And I would say the same applies to ID at the voting place. It's common sense, makes perfect sense, that the vote should be protected in such a manner. But those who are political don't want you to be rational. They want you to be angry and emotional. So... They're not going to tell you the common sense points about this at all. They just want you to be angry. They want you to believe that somehow people's rights are being taken away from them when they're not. The fact of the matter is that in states which have enacted voter ID laws, voting increased. The number of people who showed up to vote went up. It didn't go down. And this holds true for the state of Georgia. The left always argues that 
This is disenfranchisement. This is, this is somehow preventing people from voting. And it has never been proven to be so. They just keep making that claim as if it is true, as they always do, telling the same lie again and again and again. And you can see them doing this on every topic, every topic that they harp on. This is just the one in the spotlight right now. Now, Delta Airlines made a similar similar statement, and they decided, well, okay, then you don't get your tax breaks anymore. Coca-Cola has stepped up and said pretty much the same kind of thing. Certain Republican Georgia lawmakers want Coca-Cola products removed from their offices after Coca-Cola spoke out against the state's new election law. In a letter to Kevin Perry, president of the Georgia Beverage Association, eight members of the Georgia House of Representatives, Victor Anderson, Clint Crow, Matt Barton, Jason Ridley, Lauren McDonald III, Stan Gunter, Dwayne Hill, and Marcus Wiedauer, complained about Coca-Cola. Quote, given Coke's choice to cave to the pressure of an out-of-control cancel culture, we respectfully request all Coca-Cola company products be removed from our office suite immediately. Should Coke choose to read the bill, share its true intentions, and accept their role in the dissemination of mistruths, we would welcome a conversation to rebuild a working relationship. Coca-Cola said in a statement obtained by Newsweek that it had been working with the Metro Atlanta Chamber in expressing our concerns, quote, expressing our concerns and advocating for positive change in voting legislation. We, along with our business coalition partners, sought improvements that would enhance accessibility, maximize voter participation, maintain election integrity, and serve all Georgians. Well, as you heard before, That's exactly what's happening in this law. But the Democrats are lying about this law because the law in securing things and making things more accessible and doing things the right way takes certain advantages away from Democrats who would use those advantages to change the outcomes of elections. Hmm. The company stated it would continue to advocate for its position on voting issues in Georgia. Quote, We will continue to identify opportunities for engagement and strive for improvements aimed at promoting and protecting the right to vote in our home state and elsewhere. James Quincy, he's the the CEO of Coca-Cola, publicly attacked Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp for recently signing into law voting legislation Quincy declared as unacceptable and a step backwards. He clearly hasn't read the law, only what people tell him, it says. The legislation expands early voting opportunities. Weekend early voting extends deadlines for absentee ballot requests. It also creates a statewide voter ID absentee voting requirement and restricts ballot drop box usage. And and both of those, the ID for absentee voting requirement and the ballot drop box usage usage restrictions are to protect those people voting, to make sure those people voting are actually who they claim to be so that they are not claiming to be you and casting a vote you would disapprove of. It's protecting your vote. Quincy said the new law moves Georgia backwards. 
quote, let me be crystal clear and unequivocal. This legislation is unacceptable. It is a step backward and it does not uh, promote principles we have stood for in Georgia around broad access to voting, around voter convenience, about ensuring election integrity. And this is frankly a step, just a step backwards. One provision of the new law seems to be of particular interest to the Georgia Beverage Association. The prohibition on handing out either soft drinks or food to voters in line, waiting in line at the polling stations. And as I explained already, that is not prohibiting the polling places from actually doing that. It's pre- it's preventing those who are campaigning and electioneering at the vol- at the voting places from doing so illegally. It is just enforcing law already in place, making sure these people aren't using refreshments as a method of campaigning at the polling places. The more you know, you're listening to the Daily Perspective Podcast. Perspective Podcast, Monday, the fifth day of April, 2021. Slipping into the final segment for this Monday. Going through my mental checklist of what's going to happen as soon as I get done. Ah. Well, at least uh, Princess Shaggy Pete will get to go for a, uh, a ride today say so very quietly because she's right over here and she'll get all excited and start barking anyway i'll be out and about in just a bit taking care of business somebody else was taking care was taking care of business over the weekend on saturday during uh the march madness coverage on cbs former nba all-star and current commentator charles barkley He's not known for intellectual content. (laughs) He made some astute comments about the state of political and racial division in the country. And he was spot on. So I I guess you could probably look for him to be canceled practically any day now. Man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people, but we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We're all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. Well, Barkley is right about that, but it goes even further. We're also divided along political lines, polarized so we don't talk to each other and figure out that with just a little bit of common purpose, the slightest connection with each other on a human level. We can figure out the solution to problems within our own communities and states without the bloated bureaucracy complicating it and driving up the cost. This is true when we can know because we've seen this 
start to play out in California during both the AB5 fight and the recall Newsom effort. Sacramento's Democrat supermajority and their hero, Gavin Newsom, have so overplayed their hand in enacting woke policies and draconian pandemic lockdowns that everyone in the middle and working classes are suffering. And many of the upper class and wealthy are suffering too. And they're finding each other and collaborating to fight back. If the pandemic lockdowns in California had not been so extended, the blowback against Gavin Newsom and other Democrats would have happened sooner and with at least the amount of passion we currently see because the full effects of the anti-freelancing AB5 law, that's the, the, uh, the gig law, the gig workers law that everybody hates so much. It would have been apparent much earlier through closures of community orchestras, theaters, sports camps, tutoring, entertainment, hospitality venues. Republicans don't get a pass on this. Over the last decade, Republicans have also had the opportunity to enact their own legislative agenda on things like Obamacare, immigration, education, and tax reform due to their majorities in the House and Senate while having a Republican president, but they didn't. Why is that? Hmm. Because the more problems they solve, the fewer issues they have to use in outrage-stoking fundraising emails to the base. It's incumbent on all of us to remember who and what we're fighting. And it is not our neighbors. Now, the writer of this, uh, Jennifer Van Lahr, coming from redstate.com, is right on the money. She is right on the money. She knows exactly what she's talking about. She has hit the bullseye of the target. In the past, I've talked about how manipulators pit people groups against each other. They work to make people angry with one another. And while those angry people are focused on each other and the proclaimed transgressions by either or both, they're not paying attention to what's happening in Washington, D.C. These people, these people like the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chuck Schumer's, these people step out in front of the news cameras and they make big statements and they talk about this and that and they, they proclaim to be the, the heroes of the people, defending their honor, working on their behalf, when actually what they're doing is stirring up people groups, making them angry with each other, and distracting them from what's really going on. And what's really going on is an ongoing solidification of power and control by the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. One of the reasons, and I've stated this several times, one of the reasons that Donald Trump was so hated by Washington, D.C. was that he was not an insider, he was not part of the club, he was not playing their game. That's why they hated the man so much. He was the new guy on the job who got busy and went to work, got his hands dirty, and made incredible progress. And the old guys who've been sliding and coasting for so long pulled him aside and said, hey, hey, you're making us all look bad, buddy. He was that guy. He was a guy who worked in his own business, his own business empire, worked almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
was constantly busy, constantly thinking, constantly challenged, and constantly challenging his people. And when you take that ethos into Washington, D.C., it's dangerous to the atmosphere in D.C. because it reveals what's going on or not going on. And they don't like being exposed. They don't like it at all. And so he had to be taken out. And we saw what happened. We saw what happened in a, an extremely questionable election. An election which made everybody scratch their heads and say, huh, something not right here. And yet, if you say there's something not quite right, then the social media platforms and others will marginalize you and say you're a nut and restrict your access. But they don't want you to notice. So they keep you stirred up. And that kind of takes us back to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Basically, all she does is stir the pot. That's all she does. She doesn't accomplish anything substantive. She doesn't get anything done for her people. She just makes a big show, gets on the news, and those who support her and love her blindly think she's doing a great job. When she hasn't accomplished anything substantive, nothing, all she's done is rant and rave, pitch a fit, cry for the camera, and fail at the job she was elected to do. But as long as she and others like her keep fooling the people who vote for them, they will keep reelecting them. And as long as they have the machine, the democratic political machine, working on their behalf to keep them in power, they will stay in power. It's a sad thing. And Charles Barkley is right on the money. He's got it exactly right. He knows what's going on because he's, sitting, he's, he's stepping back and looking at the situation honestly. And he's saying basically what I've said for a long time. If you haven't been listening for a while, you haven't heard me say this, but because it's been a while, but I was raised in the South, born and raised in the South. My grandparents come from a small town in South Alabama, in Conecuh County, a small town you pass by on I-65 on the way to the beach, a little place called Evergreen in Conecuh County. And there's a lot of people that live there that have a lot of land, cattle farmers. There's a big meat packing company there, Conecuh Sausage. And their sausage is available pretty much everywhere now at Walmarts all across the country. There's evergreen trucking. You see their trucks on the road everywhere. There's a, there's a pretty good bit of money in evergreen Alabama. You know what else? People who have lived alongside each other, worked alongside each other, and respected each other, regardless of their backgrounds or color of skin or their race, for generations. I remember as a kid, black families coming to the farm to visit us, my grandmother's place, 
and us going to their place to visit them. Kids playing together. The first time I ever had sugar cane was at the, at the home of a black family who, brought a, who, who had sugar cane and gave it to the kids. The first time, well, so many great experiences came out of that childhood and that mutual respect. Black folks and white folks would meet each other at the A&P. I don't know if you remember the A&P grocery stores. And stop and chat and talk about what's happening with mama and them. And share family stories and laugh. There was a lot of respect. It didn't matter who you were, where you worked, how much you made or didn't make, what color your skin was or wasn't. There was respect. And that's how it always was until people like Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and the rabble-rousers who keep people angry for political, for political purposes stepped into the picture and started stirring things up. Lying to people to make them to believe, to make them believe their lives were not good and that their lives weren't good because those other people over there were keeping them from having good lives. And so Charles Barkley has seen this himself and he understands that most folks are decent people. It's the manipulators we gotta worry about. And he's absolutely right. And that's the absolute end for today. God bless you. Have a good Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. No, wait a minute. I got things happening tomorrow morning, so I won't be here tomorrow. We'll see you Wednesday for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.